Lord, we just want to thank you this morning for our time to be together. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would open your word up, make it become alive and real in our hearts and minds. And we just ask that, Lord, believing and thanking you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now tell me exactly when I need to be through. When? By 10? 10.30? 11? <laughs> so you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, sir? You know who your quarterback is, right? I don't have my phone with me. Dak Prescott. He is a Mississippi State Bulldog alumni. And we just got, how many of y'all into college football here? Oh, good. Well, you are, oh, my word, man. We just got a brand new coach. Matt, Mike Leach died last year, December. I had a heart attack. And they put in our defensive coordinator, and he's a great defensive coordinator, but not a head coach. And so that's what the problem was. But we now have a young man, loves the Lord, a committed believer from OU. He was their offensive coordinator and a strong supporter of the FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And going into our message, it's over 58 years ago, October the 1st, 1965. My freshman year at Mississippi State, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That was the first semester, hallelujah. That was the first semester the FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes was on our campus. And I was the first athlete to come to a saving faith in Christ through that ministry. Is that incredible or what? <laughs> all right. Having said all of that, I want us to turn now, if we may, in our Bibles to the book of Psalm, Psalms, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Now, I gave a copy of this to, I forget now who I gave it to, but to make a copy for those of you. Oh, good. Any of the rest of you want, want one of these? He can give it to you if, you if you're interested. All right. Here we go. So we're going to look at Psalm 1, 1 through 6, all right? But seriously, how much time do I have? What? 10 th Are you serious? Okay. <laughs> okay, anyway, here we go. How blessed is the man dash woman. Literally, how blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor seat or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his and her delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he or she does, he or she prospers. The wicked are not so. But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord 
knows. For the Lord continually knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will continually perish. <clears throat> now, as we go through this, uh, this is a powerful section here. So as we come to different things, I'm kind of amplify the translation so it, it, it God makes it become alive and real to us. So we look at verse 1 there, 1-1. One, one. How blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> man, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Now these three words, walk, stand, and sit, are indicating a completed act. Let me tell you what that means. This is talking about someone who is born again, a child of God. How many of you in here are physically alive? <laughs> we're all born and we're still here, living, aren't we? That's what this is talking about. Now, because we're all physically alive, we have common things that come with our physical bodies. We do, we eat, sleep, you know, etc. And that's a part of who we are. Do you understand, when we come with saving faith in Jesus, we don't become sinless. We don't become perfect. We don't ever again sin or make mistakes. No, we do. But what happens is, for the believer, when that takes place, we're in the constant process of basically Christ within us bringing about his conformities. Wow. Now, how many of you in here ever played football? How many of you in here played college ball? Okay, well, I saw it. Here's the reality. How many of you in here ever done martial arts? Okay, good. In those physical disciplines, it's very demanding, isn't it? Now, today, they don't even have two-a-days for kids. I, I think these guys are old men like me. Well, you're not as old as I am, but anyway, when we were coming up, we had two-a-days, didn't we? In August. Now, in the South, the humidity is incredible. It is absolutely a different world from what you all experience out here. And so you go through the difficulties of all of that. But all of that is preparing you as you go through that process of two-a-day practice. It's preparing you for the last game of the season in the last quarter and the last few minutes when the score is tied. And you're having to give everything you can. How many of you saw the Army-Navy game yesterday? Oh, my goodness. I'm a Navy guy. When I was uh, graduating from high school, somebody gave Navy my name, and they contacted me about being a, you know, going there. My precious mother, my father was a tragic man, uh, alcoholic and all, but so he left us. So just my mom, and she wanted me to be close at home, even when Alabama wanted me to come. It's only 90 miles east of, of uh, Starkville. My mother said, oh, that's so far away. It's only 90 miles away. Anyway, I ended up going to Mississippi State, but that was God's plan. 
because that freshman year I got saved. And I got saved because a young lady was praying for me beginning January the 1st of 1965. Back then we had Bible clubs in our high school. And these kids, about 30 of them, they all picked out one person to pray for every day for a year. This young lady picked me out. She was a sophomore. I didn't know her from Adam's house cat, but she knew me. I was just, you know, player at arms. And I'm going to tell you what, God did a work. The only time anybody ever said anything to me, and I, I want to encourage all of you all this as friends. The only time anybody ever said anything to me directly about Jesus was my freshman year when I was at State. Back then, freshmen couldn't play varsity. They just used us as dummies to run the opposing team's plays against our varsity. We were getting ready to play Auburn. And they had a good quarterback. Anyway, so we had this particular play. It was a crackback kind of a thing. I went across the line and supposed to go back and, and hit this linebacker. And I said, hey, I'm this all-state player. I'm going to show my tough hand. Well, that guy knocked a snot out of me. <laughs> my mother's heard this. My wife's, I just got my mother. My wife's heard this many, many times. But he put his hand down and said, welcome to the Southeastern Conference. That was the first thing he said. The other linebacker comes over there to me and says, Justin, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you, and so do I. I went, what? And I started watching those guys' lives, and I noticed that everybody else was cussing the grass, the dummies, the sun, the heat, because the heat, yet they were some of the toughest guys out there. Through that witness of that young man, I came to saving faith in Christ October 1st, 1965. But it was the Holy Spirit that was drawing me. Are you with me? Now, the reason I brought all that up is because when I got saved, I didn't become sinless. I still struggle. I had all kinds of problems and issues. But here's the difference. As I would sin, as I would, the Holy Spirit would convict me as a child of God and continued bringing about God's brokenness in my life. That's what happened. I went to Mississippi State to play football because football was my God. God became my God, and God simply used football to teach me what it meant to follow him. Wow. You see, those things are not ends in themselves. They're only means by which God works in our life to bring us into conformity. All right? Now, so, <coughs> pardon me. These terms, walk, stand, and uh, sit. Excuse me, walk, stand. What in the world did I say? Sit. Brother, hand me your pen again. I did these this last night. When, anyway, my ignorance and carelessness. So it's walk, stand, and sit. Thank you, Mama. So these three statements here, walk, stand, and sit, describe what's going on in our life. Uh it's talking about the fact of us being conformed in the image of Jesus. If you got your Bible, turn to Romans 8, 28, 29. And we know that as we continually know. Now, this is, uh, this is what's significant about this. Let me turn over there real quick to my little Bible here and that thing. 
This is not this kind of knowledge is not something you learn out of a textbook. This kind of knowledge that comes by the Holy Spirit making it a reality in our lives. Is that incredible or what? Okay. And so as we read it in Romans chapter 8, uh, 28 through 29 there. And we know, in other words, we have come to a point as believers in Jesus Christ of this knowledge, and this knowledge then is continually being made a living reality in our lives until we breathe our last breath and go home to be with the Lord. Is that incredible or what? And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. And ladies and gentlemen, this phrase here, to those who love God, is saying to those who continually love Him. How many of you here perfectly love God? If you raise your hand, I'll say, well, there's something wrong with you. Okay. But how many of you in here as a born-again believer in the midst of all your sin and failures love God continually? Amen. Hallelujah. Is that amazing or what? For those who continually love God, He continually works together all things for the good. To those, this is huge now, ladies and gentlemen, read this. To those who are called according to purpose, His purpose. From the, before the foundation of the world, God knew you. That's hard for us to even comprehend. It's beyond our, my comprehension. The most minute details of our lives, He knows everything. And for the child of God, the failures, the upsets, the disappointments, the heartaches, He puts all of that together to work it together for the good that we become more and more like Jesus Christ. Is that amazing or what? Now, that next part of that uh, phrase there. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And if you look in your Bibles, most of your Bibles, I have the New American Standard. That's, from my perspective, that's the closest to the, the original Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic that's out there. To become. Now, if you have in, in your Bibles, do you see that word to become in italics? How many of you have it in italics? That's because it's not in the Greek. What you have is a translator trying to make this clear to people who read English. To be conformed to the image of his son, though that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Actually, here's what it's really saying. For those whom he foreknew, now listen, he predestined conformity. Wow! By the image of his son who is living in us. Oh my lands and not by our wisdom and because we're so great, we're less than nothing. But it's by His image and through His image that is in us. Are you with me? Bringing about conformity. Wow. Wow. 
me talk about that for just a minute. Result of this is that all of us here have failed God at some point in our life as believers, right? How many have never failed God? Have never? Oh. <laughs> How many of you have failed God many times? There we go. All right. Here's what's significant about this. We're going to look back and look at it later, but I want you to write this passage down, Hebrews 12, 4 through 11. That's talking about God's loving discipline for us. So when we fail, Hebrews 12, 10 says, He disciplines, for our good, disciplines us for our good so that we may share His holiness. So that we may experience His holiness. His holiness doesn't come about because we're so great. I just, you know, no, we're not. We're flawed, skewed, corrupted people. The only good in us is the imputed righteousness of Jesus. Y'all understand that? We have nothing to boast in, not one microscopic particle. So, this, the statement, therefore, that God causes all things continually to work together for good, it's only being applied to those who continually love God by means of the spiritual rebirth that has occurred in your life. Are you with me? Now, we had five daughters. One of them was with the Lord. She was killed several years ago. Many of you probably remember that. She's with the Lord. But here's the reality. Those are all my precious children. I've got grandchildren. I've got sons in laws I love them. I'd fight to the death to defend them. I'd give them my life for them. My wife will say. So do you understand that God causing all these things is those who love him, whom he has called, whom he has drawn to himself, and who made a commitment of their life to Jesus. That's amazing. We are his children. Before the foundation of the world, go back and read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. It talks about that. All right? So, we talk about the rebirth. We're not going to take time to read the whole thing, but turn real quick, real, blah, 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 real quickly with me to the Gospel of John chapter 3. And there Jesus is confronting Nicodemus. Now, my wife and I are re-watching that movie, The Chosen. I'm going to tell you what. Uh, what God, for me, and it may be different, different ones, but what I'm seeing that is the humanity, the full-blown humanity. Jesus was fully God but fully human. We kind of read over that sometimes, just kind of say it theologically, blah, 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 blah. But as I'm watching this stuff, I'm realizing, I said, this is, this is real humanity. His disciples, they're human. They, you know, they were always arguing about who's the greatest. Why? Because of their ego, their narcissistic ego was based on their sense of identity and worth being better than everybody else and everybody being less than them. And Jesus said in Mark 9, 33 through 35, He that is the greatest among you, let him continually be the last among everyone and the servant of all. It's not about us lifting ourselves up. Are you with me? That's, a, that's an addiction. It's like any other addiction. It can be like a destructive addiction of alcohol, drugs, whatever. That's an emotional addiction that's a lie. Are you with me? Because it makes us think of ourselves as being semi-divine. When Satan tempted Eve in the garden, said, oh, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God, 
knowing good and evil. In other words, you will be your own God. That's in Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Go back and read that when you get time. You'll be your own God. You'll make up your own standard of morality, of what is right and what is wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, do we see that today in the world and in our country unlike any time? I, absolutely. And I will say this, and I'm not here to get into politics, but I will say this unapologetically. In my, in my lifetime, without any equivocation, we've had some that weren't good, but this is the most tragic, pathetic, imbecilic, and puppet-organized presidential administration I've ever seen. And the tragic gentleman who's out, pray for him all the time, that God would bring brokenness in that man's life. If not, Lord, you bring upon him the consequences, the full fruit of what he's done. Man's calling good evil and evil good. So the point being, we see this, don't we, in the world. So here's what God's doing. God is working in us to bring about his change. So when we look there at Nicodemus, uh, and we, and his mother, my, she's not my mother, she's my wife, but I'm a, from, how many of y'all are from the South? Oh my gosh, where, where are you from, sir? Oh, ha, <laughs> ha, Well, in the South, we call our wives mother and brother, father, anyway. That's good, sir, that was good. But, uh, as we, as we look at this stuff, we realize, my goodness, Lord, you're the one doing the work. I need to keep my eyes on you. All right, so here it is. We look at this, and John, uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about being born again. Now, he makes a, an incredible uh, statement here. Now, I, I, like, I like for y'all to read stuff in here. And uh, let's see here. Let's, I want y'all to turn, if you would. Let's see here. Let me find this place here. Oh, yes, here we go. I'm going to let my wife read this. Mother, look and, look and read John 3, 8, please. This is Jesus. Go ahead. Hallelujah. In other words, it's not a mechanical thing. Are you with me? It's not something that any man orchestrates. It is a supernatural word of God. Now, who would like to read verse 9? Go for it, ma'am. Read it loudly now, please. Woo! Now, who wants to read verse 10 because this is huge? Anybody? Okay, go for it, sir. And you continually do not know these things. In other words, Jesus is talking about the rebirth. Abraham, Genesis 15, 6, go back and read that. Write it down, Genesis 15, 6. And also go back and read Romans 10, 8 through 13, but especially verse 10. Being born again has always been the case from the time of the fall of Adam all the way through. You read that statement there in Genesis 15, 6, that was Abraham's, Abraham's rebirth. And so Jesus is saying, 
You are a teacher of Israel, and you continually don't even know anything. Why? Because he had not been born again. Do you understand? You can be outwardly religious, and it's meaningless. Because you are trying by your works and what you think is your good deeds to earn your way, you're being deceived. Isn't that amazing? So therefore, you end up calling good evil and evil good. All right. So, we come then to John 6, 44. I want all of you to turn there. I'm going to read this myself. Because he's talking here about something that's so important, ladies and gentlemen. Do you realize you're not going to make anybody get saved? I'm not going to make anybody get saved. It's the Holy Spirit. Here we go. I'm going to give you an amplified translation. Here we go. And not one person continually has the ability at any point to come to me, wow, unless the Father, hallelujah, who sent me should draw him, literally drag him unto me. And I will raise him up on the last day. Wow. I want to say something to you all, and I know you all know this, but I want to reaffirm it. You guys are blessed beyond words to have the pastor that you do here who loves the Lord, who's committed. Hallelujah. Go for it. And his precious, precious wife, she's home with the Lord now. But, Mother, tell I want you to tell them what you were saying about the ministry here and so forth. Just stand and say that out loud. Come on, Mother. It's all right. You're awake, Mama. Thank you. <laughs> so basically, here's what we see in John 16, 8 to 11. We're not going to take time to read this too much. But there we talk, Jesus is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Number one, he comes to convict us of sin. So the first thing, when you come to a genuine, true, saving relationship with Jesus, is you see you're a sinner. Next, you see that through Jesus and Jesus alone, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Only a few men come to the Father outside of me. Is that what he said? No! Sorry, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not one person comes to the Father except through me. Is that incredible or you know, I've been in martial arts for long, yeah, and I, I get excited when guys do things right. I, anyway, they're used to that, but y'all are, okay? My <laughs> students that I teach online, they're used to it as well. My wife is even used to it. <laughs> All right. So here's the reality. That's what happens. And then we go back and read Romans 10, 8 through 13 that I just mentioned before. And you see God putting, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in our mouth, our heart, the awareness, the consciousness of his truth, 
to bring us to a saving faith. But then that last step is ours. And God enables us by the Holy Spirit to either acceptance or rejection. Is that incredible or what? All right. So, just like a baby that's born out of his or her mother's his, his or her mother's water sack, the moment that baby, boom, they're alive. You see, the moment we become born again spiritually, we're alive. It remains forever. My precious daughters are my daughters forever. You're born again by a child of God. It's not by your works. It's by His grace from beginning to middle to end. And when we sin and fail, He's going to deal with us. Now, here's what I want us to look at. Let me turn my little page here. And again, I've got till 1030. Is that for true? Okay. <laughs> so, here's the significant thing. When we read that, that the believer, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Do you understand? We, within our natural, carnal, corrupted, narcissistic, misdirected self, make those choices. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It brings us less and less. John the Baptist was approached by his disciples. They got all bent out of shape in John's Gospel, chapter 3. Jesus had first half about Nicodemus. Then the second half, it's about John, I mean, Jesus and his disciples at the Jordan baptizing. But Jesus wasn't water baptizing, his disciples were. But John's disciples see that, they get all bent out of shape. Wait, this isn't fair. You baptized him, and now they're all coming in, blah, 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 blah. John 3.30, y'all write this down. John said, he must increase and I must decrease. That's just a simple English translation. I'm going to give you the amplified translation. He, without any equivocation, and I want y'all to write the word down, D-E-I, by that. Ma'am? Okay, D-E-I, that's in John 3.30. That word means there is unequivocally no alternative at any point. He must unequivocally continually increase. But I must unequivocally continually choose being decreased. Woo Does that go against our nature? That goes against our nature as much as if you came and asked me, Justin, are you pulling for Ole Miss to win? That's our arch rival in Mississippi. So the point being, this is what we choose on a daily basis, all right? Now, I want us to look here in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, because this is a very, very significant passage here, okay? that correction. So I'm looking here at uh, 5 through 8. Maybe I made my problems here. All right, anyway, here we go. We're, we're looking in uh, Hebrews 12, 5 through 8. My son, this is taken from Proverbs chapter 3, by the way. In fact, I do, let's do this real quick. Get your old Bibles out. Let me get my little thing here. Oh, by the way, we're going to have communion. I meant to tell you all that at the first. How many of you don't have one of these? Oh, praise the Lord, everybody has one. Okay. 
So anyway, let's look over here real quick at uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Okay. Oh, yeah, here it is. No, that's not it either. <laughs> Trying to find it here. Yeah, okay, let's just read it. My son. What, what verse, Mom? Verse 11. Ah. You know what the difference is? Is that the Hebrew and the English, different verses, that's what it is. Right, verse 11 for you guys in, in, in English. In English, okay? Hebrews uh, 3.11. Okay, here we go. H Proverbs, my ignorant, 3.11. That's why I have my wife with me. She's <laughs> I'm known as Janie Alfred's husband because she speaks all over the place. My son, my daughter, ooh, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, why? Nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, oh my lambs alive, for those whom the Lord continually loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. For those whom the Lord continually loves, write that down. So the discipline of the Lord, my son, oh, my lambs, continually, write that down, continually do not regard it lightly. You say, why do I always have those adverbs? Because when you look back at the original language, that's what these particular tenses are emphasizing. Okay? Now notice this. Now we're back in Hebrews, again, uh, 12, 7. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? All my children have been disciplined by me at some point. Wow. But if you're without discipline, of which all have become, in other words, all true born-again believers have become partakers, what? Then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So do you understand, if the discipline that God brings about in our life is so that we be conformed to the image of His Son. And it's an ongoing, continuous thing. The question is not, are you going to be disciplined? The question is, when are you going to be disciplined? How are you going to be disciplined? And what, di what time frame is it going to take? That's what the question is. Now, if we go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I love this passage. This becomes a very active part in our lives all during the day. Why? Trust in the Lord with most of your heart. No. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. How much is all? You're very good, sir. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, is that a battle? Tragically, did old Mississippi State this year? Yes. Okay. And do not 
now this is huge, upon your own understanding, rely, depend on, elevate, exalt. Oh, my God. That's our natural thinking. Let me tell you, we got this credit card from my wife, and some guy, guy that made a bunch of extra charges on it. We got a new one. Last night she came to me. I, I didn't pay it. I was just going down the list and pay stuff. She said, I don't know where all this money is. I called the people again. We got to call them back. But I was really ticked off. And last night as, as she went on to bed, I just said, Lord, I thank you for this trial. I thank you for this because this is all about me trusting you to get this thing straightened out. Just a, some little thing like that, you know. But it irritates us. So what is, it, what is he saying here? Justin, don't lean on, rely on, depend on your own understanding. Now listen to this. In all of your ways, now most of your English versions say acknowledge the Lord, right? I want you all to, well, you don't do it in your Bible, but just write this in there. Instead of acknowledge, put know him. In all of your ways, know him. That's what it's literally saying. Because if we acknowledge, if I say, okay, I acknowledge y'all sitting there, what does that mean? I just mean you're there. But how many of you do I really know? I know my wife. We've been married 50-something years, 58 years. I'm sorry, 57. My low yeah. Okay, 55, whatever it is. We got married in 1969. That's right, be 55 years. Thank you. Be 55 years this January. That's a long time. <laughs> the point I'm making is that <laughs> uh, the point I'm making is this is that we're continually being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ in all your ways know him know him and I'm not going to read over this but go back and write this down as a reference Matthew 4 1 through 11, and Luke 4, 1 through 13. Matthew 4, 1 through 11, Luke 4, 1 through 13. Those are the two times when Jesus was tempted by the devil. Same story, just two to God. And when he was tempted, did he say, well, Rabbi Hillel said those are two leading rabbis, Hillel and Shammai. Did Jesus quote them in, in dealing with Satan's temptation? What did he go to? Hallelujah. He went to the Word of God. When, this, when the Bible says know him, it means you know his Word. The only way you can know his Word is as you read it consistently. When many days, that's the last thing you want to do, you do it, okay? I can tell you, I still physically, I, I, I go to the gym, I work out, I had, I've had knee replacement, shoulder replacement, all kinds of things. But there, there's an exercise I do at the end of every exercise. Well, there are two of them. One that starts, that's aerobic stuff, burning stuff. But the last exercise I do every time when I go work out, guess what it is? Anybody? Sit-ups. Do I hate them? Does the cow go moo? <laughs> but I know they affect my back because I'm an old man. 
But every time I start to do those things, I start praying. I say, Lord, this is like being in the Word of God. Okay. Because the only person that can take, now my wife is an incredible cook. I'm going to tell you. She'll make your tongue slap your brain. Her food is so good. <laughs> but if you, how, many of y'all, how many of y'all ever had red beans, rice, and sausage? Y'all probably don't even know what that is. Oh, my. Hers is incredible. Anyway. But so here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Praying and being in the Word is a discipline. We're going to look at that here in just a minute. But it's not something that we necessarily like to do all the time, do we? Oh, I don't have time. I'm going to tell you what. God has shown me, Justin, I have a systematic way I read. But there's one thing I've been reading every day since the, the early 70s when I heard Billy Graham say this. Whatever the day of the month is, that's the chapter in Proverbs you should read. Why? Because there's 31 chapters. I get, he me, he said, oh, you got to do this, you got to, and I, I said, whoa, no, I need to go back to the Word. I need to pray first before I do anything. Enemy jumps on me like a tick on a dog's belly. Y'all probably don't know what that means. How many of you know what I mean by that? Thank you. What that means is when you go hunting, you're training bird dogs to hunt quail or either retrieve doves or, you know, a duck, not so much because that's in the water, but they're, they're out there in the, in the ground. And you come in, what you used to have to do, my uncle, we would always go back and look under there, their belly, and the ticks, because that tick can draw blood out and make them very sick and it can be killed. So that's what we say. That's how Satan comes at us. We're God's child eternally. But let me tell you what he wants to do. He wants to rob from you the abundant life Jesus wants to give you. And he's going to do that by dis- by disquieting you from not praying and being in the Word. Oh, you got too much time. You don't have time for this. Oh, it's not that. Are you with me? That's a lie right out of the pit. You need to understand that. All right. So know Him. In all your ways, know Him. And look what He says here. And He will straighten out your paths. Okay, now I want everybody, ma'am, I'm going to be real loud here, so I want you to be ready for that, okay? <laughs> I'm going to give you the translation of this word if you were reading the Hebrew. And he will cause your paths to be straightened out. That's what it is. It's, it's what we call a PL verb. It's an intensive causative action. One of the most intense verbs in Hebrew. Is that amazing or what? It's not, oh, he'll straighten everything out. No, no. He will intensely cause your paths to be straightened out. But Satan, again, is going to jump on you like a tick on a dog's belly and say, oh, hey, God can't do anything with that. That's a lie. Being in the Word of God is significant. That's what we're talking about. Okay, let's move on here. 10.03, I got 27 minutes. All right. So, the three aspects of walking, standing, and sitting, listen to me, are pictures of our embracing and amalgamating, that is, putting together things that we hear, that we see, and read into our spiritual, mental, and emotional approval and standard of decision-making. Are you with me? So, let me just say this, ladies and gentlemen. Being in the Word of God on a consistent basis is imperative. We're not talking about a work, but you realize Romans 7, 14 through 8, 11. I'm not going to take time to go through that, but write that down. Romans 7, 14 through chapter 8, 11. What you're reading there, Paul is recognizing he's born again, filled with the Spirit, 
But all of a sudden, now he's realizing there's a spiritual battle that's going on every day, all day within him. And he makes a comment, there's nothing good in me that is in my flesh at all. Before he was a Pharisee, he thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. But now he's saved, born again, and God's showing him this. Now, what I do want you to do is turn over here to Romans chapter 7 and verse, hold on here, Romans 7, verse 8. And he starts off, But I see another law in my members continually waging war against the law of my mind. And some versions say making me a prisoner, right? I'm going to give you a better translation. And continually misguiding and, and misdirecting me in the law of the flesh, which is in my members. So you understand, there's the law of the Spirit, and there's the law of the flesh. The law of the flesh is our nature that is corrupted to the core. That's why when we're saved, the only positive thing we have within us is His righteousness. Is that amazing what? How many of y'all deal all day, every day with the enemy coming at you, wanting you to make a decision this way versus God saying this? All day. That's what this is. So go back and underline that thing. When it says making me a prisoner, this, that's pretty, that, that doesn't really make so much sense to us, but mis constantly misdirecting and misguiding me. You see that? By the law of the, what, Mama? What did I say? I'm sorry. Eight? Yeah, I'm sorry. Romans 7, 23. That's why I have her here, okay, to correct me. Romans 7, 23. All right. Huge passage there. All right. Now we come to the three things. We're, 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 I'm going to head up. We'll go. Verse 2. But his delight is in, or his or her delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates occasionally. Day and night. Now the word delight, this is great. Listen to this. It means pleasure, delight, desire, pursuit, and business. How many of you all here in your business, in your job, if you carried out lazily and indifferently your work, how many of you would be employed? So, this is your business. Are you with me? Prayer and being in the Word. Is that incredible or what? Well, that's hard. Yes, it's hard. I've been in martial arts for many, many years, and you get going, but, oh, well, that's kind of hard. I said, well, and what I'll do, I'll have somebody come up to me. I'll say, try to do this to me. They do it. I'm bum, 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 and they're on the ground. I said, whoa. I said, do you understand? This is what's going to happen in the street if you don't train. Am I right? Whoever had a, if you don't train consistently, if you just kind of fool around, you're not going to know what to do. I've only been attacked one time in my life. My wife and my children was called this at our church at Colorado Springs. And I didn't have near the degree of training I did. I had some martial arts training. But I, I praise God I knew what to do. This guy came to hit me over the head with a board with a nail in it, and I blocked it. Boom! And I got it. I felt like I was Samson with that jawbone of the ass. 
fighting those guys off. My wife was watching this whole thing. So that's a, that's a, a so anyway, you, what you're doing, you're coming up here, you're blocking. But look, I've seen, I've gone to some dojos, I've seen people go like this. And I say, that is the apex of asininity. Because if you do that, you're a dead man. Am I right? You come up here, why? You're blocking the cover in your hair. That's what you're doing. Either way, boom, you're blocking. Ladies and gentlemen, you being in the Word of God is the same way. And you being in prayer, is it hard? Yes. Is it disciplined? Yes. Is it demanding? Without any equivocation. But that's why God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has enabled you to make that choice. Okay? All right. So, as we go back over here in John 8, 31 and 32, look there real quick. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, whoa, that's a big if, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. That word continue is very important. It means to remain Stay, uh, stay, remain, stay, abide, live, dwell, and endure at every point of the day, beginning in the morning, getting into the Word, and as you live through the day, the enemy's going to come and attack you with this, that, and the other, boom. You bring the Word of God back into that to expose that lie and shut it down. Are you with me? That's what this means. Notice he says, then you're truly my disciples. Let me just tell you, some people disagree, and, and I, I'm not expressing. But there's a difference between simply being born again and being a disciple. Born again believer. Uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 5, verses 11 through 14. I'm not going to take time to read through that whole thing, but y'all go back and read that. Paul, who I believe is the author, is writing about Melchizedek. And he's talking about how it's important to read this and understand what Melchizedek was, blah, 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 blah. And then he comes down here uh, and he makes this comment. For though by this time in verse 12 you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. This is Hebrews 5. Okay, everybody read it? 5, 11 uh, through 15. Isn't that amazing? Listen to this. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Not accustomed. That is, it's not a consistent part of your life, and therefore you tend to lean more on your flawed, skewed, narcissistic, misdirected, perverted natural understanding, even as a child of God. You understand? Okay? So, but solid food is for the mature, because of practice, they continually have their senses. And that word senses means their ability to understand and the power to discriminate between the lie of the enemy and the truth of God. Oh, my land. They have their senses, they continually have their senses trained. And that word trained is a classical Greek term. It goes back to the athletes who were training for their Olympics back then. And it means to train in a disciplined manner. But here, of mental and spiritual training, 
Oops, I'll, well, I'll also play too. Yeah. I'll also play. Oh, here we go. Yeah. It means the discipline, the control of oneself, the exercise of self. What that's talking about is the Holy Spirit convicted. In fact, last night I was ticked off at that place. And I, w I didn't say anything bad, but I just was really faith. And I hung up, and God just really spoke to me. Justin, you need to trust me and wait on me. I'm in charge of this. That's not because I'm so great. I'm less than nothing. That's being complimentary. It's because the Holy Spirit living in me brings that word. As I get into the word, it are you with me? He brings godly wisdom back to my mind. All right. To discern. Now, this word discern means basically to be able to dispute and have correct judgment according to what God's saying versus what your flesh is saying. Wow. So you discern between good and evil. And that training is something that God, it's a completed act, but it's an ongoing, continuous reality in our life. Now, he goes on there, John 8, 31 and 32, and you will continue, you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. Literally, it's this way. If you abide in that word, you will continue to know the truth, and the truth will continue to set you free. He's talking about someone who's a disciple. So what I'm saying is this. He talks about, uh, go back here to Hebrews. Let's look at that one little thing here. I want to emphasize this. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed, we're verse 13, is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is continually an infant. Now that word infant, I'm going to spell it for you, N-E-P-I-O-S. It's used throughout, it's in 1 Corinthians 3 as well. It means a breast-sucking baby. You realize you could be in your 40s, 50s, a Christian, a long time, you could still be a breast-sucking baby. What would you think if you saw a 10-year-old going to his mother doing that? Or she gave him a bottle to, to you for the milk? Oh, you say, that's really strange. Are you realizing that's what God is saying? As a believer, born-again child of God, you can remain a baby Christian for a very, very, very long time. Now, having said all of that, Psalm 1 through 3. He will be like a tree, firmly planted. That firmly is not in there, but it's trying to emphasize the Hebrew phrase there. Planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever, does, whatever he does, he prospers. Now, this is huge. Let me go back here to my little Bible here so I don't get stuck. So what this is saying is this. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water. This means that as that tree that's planted by that stream of water is always going to get nourishment. If you're in the Word of God, that's what's going to happen to you. Are you with me? It's going to Now the battle is going to continually be there. Understand that. Now, I'm not going to take time to read over the parable of the sword, but write this down and go back and read it yourself. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. But the last, there are four types of soil here. And I'm going to look at verse 15. I just want to read this to you. 
But the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, hold it fast and bear fruit with ease and comfort. Is that what it says? That's why y'all need to have your Bibles open and reading it. Don't just take what I, brother, as much as I love Brother Randy, read it for yourself. Okay, that's why I print this stuff out. You need to read for yourself. Otherwise, somebody else is doing your thinking and believing for you. Are you with me? You go to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. John, 1 John 1, 27, the, the, the uh, Gnostics, they emphasize, oh, you can't know anything. You need to hear this one guy over here. That's what the Roman Catholicism is about, isn't it? Well, it's changed quite a bit today. There are a lot of true born-again evangelical Roman Catholics. But when all this stuff first started, you know, people were illiterate, so the priest was their God. That's happening today in a lot of evangelical churches. People set that guy up, and whatever he says, you need to go to the Word of God, let the Holy Spirit be your guide. This is the critique by which you measure me, anybody else. Now, bear fruit with perseverance. Ooh. Let me read to you what that word means. Patient endurance, steadfastness, and perseverance, clearly indicating that trials, difficulties, disappointments, and at times even deep spiritual, intellectual, and emotional pain will occur. The death of our daughter, most difficult thing I've ever been through in my life. Had it not been for the Holy Spirit, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you. I would have eliminated the person that did that. And even now, when I see some a, a young woman of her age with children, that stuff comes back to me. I bring that thought into captivity of the obedience of Jesus. Walk in Romans 12, 19. I'm not going to go back and read it, but go back and look at that. Now, Psalm 1, 4. Ooh, I'm going to make it. The wicked are not so. Ooh, ooh. But they lack chaff, which the wind drives away. Now, this is clearly a picture to me of Galatians 6-7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. I pray all the time for the leader, political leadership of this country. I pray for brokenness and repentance. But I say, if not God, you bring upon them fully, totally, and completely the consequences of their actions. Bring upon them what they have sown. Let, it, let them reap it and deliver us. This is where revival has always come about in our nation. As we come to the end of ourselves, we realize, God, you have to be the one to be the source. Praise God for Mike Johnson, the head of the uh, uh, our uh, Congress. Our, you know, boy's a Louisiana boy. He's an LSU man. Other than that, everything's great. <laughs> but this man loved Jesus. Mother, tell them about that young man that, get, that was... Uh, stand up so they can hear you.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Mama. That's the reality, isn't it? See, this is where we are, ladies and gentlemen, the real battle. Verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, and are sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Ooh, 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 ooh. The word stand there is a very fascinating Hebrew word. It means they will not rise up as justified, they will not endure, and they will not The reference to sinners is clearly referring to unregenerate people who may outwardly be religious, but their heart and soul have in no way been covered in the righteousness of Jesus, and thus they too will not rise up as justified, they will not endure, and they will not remain in the assembly of the righteous. Is that incredible or what? Why? Because they have not received the imputed righteousness of Jesus. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Listen, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you, this is Paul writing, first, in 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, as he's writing to people who don't know him. He made him, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin. Oh, my. To be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. How many of y'all feel righteous today? How many of you know the only righteousness you have is from Jesus inside of you? That's it. Hallelujah! That's it. All right. That needs to be going back up here. Psalm 1 6, and we'll finish. Oh, I got eight minutes. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. <gasps> the word knows, listen to this, means to intimately know, perceive, understand, and discern. And the correct amplified translation is that the Lord continually and unendingly knows, perceives, understands, and discerns everything in our lives as His children through the rebirth of the Holy Spirit that's in our lives. Is that incredible or what? On the other hand, the way of the wicked will continually be lost, perish, ruined, and destroyed throughout eternity in the lake of fire. I am going to read the whole quote of this last passage. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. Ooh. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne and books were open. That is a great, what men think is great. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead, that is the unregenerate, were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. How would you like to be judged by your deeds before God? 
We're, we're done. We have the righteousness of Jesus in us now. That's the book of life. Listen to this. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death in Hades gave up the dead. That Hades is the place where they're waiting before the final judgment, which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone's name was not found written in the book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire. I'd like for all of us to bow our heads right now, please. I don't know all of you. I know a few. But if you are here this morning and you have never personally accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, before we partake of communion, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. But I ask now that you forgive me of all my sins. you come into my life, that you cleanse me by your blood, and that your Holy Spirit live inside of me forever. And I thank you now, Lord, Romans 10, 13, for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I have called upon your name. And I thank you for your eternal salvation in Jesus. Amen. So, what I want all of you to do is we take this cup. This represents the blood and body of Jesus Christ. And understand, this does not become literally the body of Jesus. I literally become the blood. We're doing this symbolically, indicating what Jesus has done in our life. If you're a believer, go for it. If you prayed to receive Christ this morning, go for it. If you haven't yet, please don't, because when you do that, you're basically mocking what this is all about. So let's go ahead and open this up, please. I'm not quite sure how y'all do it. How do y'all do this? Okay, good. So let's go ahead and open it up, please. Take the bread. And let's eat that. We thank you, Lord, that this was your body that was beaten, hit everything, Lord. Because of our sin nature, you took upon that the penalty of sin that we no longer have to. And now we come to the cup that represents the blood. Because your blood that you shed on that cross, hallelujah, is what provides forgiveness of our sins for eternity. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Please drink. Lord, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love for us. We ask you to take, you take your word. You make it become alive and real in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name.